Amen. Thank you so much for being here. A couple things uh, before we get started in today's message. Um, one is, um, really would like for you to have a very special part, a part that we've really kind of designed for you with our Christmas Eve service. We're going to be recording uh, that service, the worship part of that, this coming Thursday. We're going to be building in several parts of it. But we would like to add you in um, as really the final, really Merry Christmas wish. Um, so what we're asking is, is for you to use the email address, Christmas at rfcc.org, christmas at rfcc.org. We're going to be adding this announcement to our webpage today. Just use your cell phone. Um, you can do it as a selfie. You can hold it away from you a little bit. Um, you can set it up on a stand, balance it on something that's in your living room. But if you would just take a few minutes between now and next Sunday um, and, and gather yourself, your family, whoever it is, um, and, and this is a safe place, so this doesn't have to be goofball free. You can bring them in as well. Um, but we would love to have just a real quick clip from you, just wishing your church family a Merry Christmas, especially those of you who are watching on our live stream. Many of you have not been able to attend service, um, have needed to be at home and a little bit more away from some public areas, and we really would like for you to be able to connect with your church family as well. Um, so please take a few minutes, record that, send that to that email address, and at the end of our, at the end of our service, it's just going to be a string of Merry Christmas wishes, okay? So um, we, we really would love for you to do it. And now, some of you, you live with people that are going to have a hard time getting on board with this. Um, you just, you just got to do it. I mean, if you ever just have to say, you know what, now's our time, we just got to make a recording, this is it, okay? So please, please do that. Also, uh, we are going to, over the next couple weeks, have opportunities for our end of year giving. Now, we'll have envelopes out for those of you that are here in live service next Sunday, specifically for that offering to go in. We'll also have a designated line on our website for a couple of weeks on our, on our electronic giving for you to be able to give to that. Um, we ask you just to please pray over what God would put on your heart. Um, at this point of the year, sometimes people come in and they say, well, you know, I've, I've kind of gotten a little bit behind on some of the, the giving I really have my heart committed to. Um, don't carry grief. Don't carry stress over that. Um, just whatever God had originally put on your heart to give to the work of the Lord through this church, just give, give to that. Um, this is something that we pray about above that, above those tithes and offerings. And we really want to see God do some great things. So 10% of that is going to go to the Lottie Moon Missions Offering, which is a way to give towards mission where 100% of it, not, not one dime gets pulled out for anything else other than just to go straight to a mission field. So um, we're 10% is going to go to that, but then we're also going to be giving out of the balance of that to the pregnancy center. It takes about $1,200 for resources uh, that a mom needs when she chooses life for her baby, um, and, and we want to give to that. This, this uh, organization also does amazing counseling. Uh, we've talked about this over the last couple months. One of, one of the most kind of silent things that really hurts hearts, even when they come into church, where we celebrate life, um, are, is, is really stress and guilt over past decisions, and we don't want people to carry that. Um, this is an organization we'd love to connect you with that does incredible, intentional, passionate um, counseling over past decisions because Jesus doesn't, walk, doesn't want us to continue to walk in guilt. That's not the design of his relationship. He wants us to live faithfully for him, yes, but, but he's so gracious in how he wants to treat us, and, and he wants to sometimes treat us through other people with a heart for the Lord. So thank you so much um, for praying over that offering, but also um, just investing in that opportunity as well. Um, we're going to be still in our, our series that we're doing over the holidays, over the Christmas season, A Weary World Rejoices. Um, this is really a heart of, I think, kind of this year that we've been in. Many of us would describe ourselves maybe as a little bit tired, a little bit weary, 
Um, but in this Christmas season, we want to find ways to choose to rejoice. The first week we were in this series, we talked about this idea of redemption. What does it just mean to be redeemed in Jesus? And, and that's a real foundational truth. It's not a word that we use a lot every day, but the understanding of it can radically change our mind. Last week, we stepped into what we call the Christmas story, some of it, um, with the life of Joseph. We talked about how um, we can rejoice because God really does see and understand and know about the details of our lives. We looked at all, all different categories, um, how, he, how he knows the times of our life. Uh, when we ask the question like, um, God, why now? He, he knows the details, and there is a purpose of actually why now. And it's not just the time, it's, the, it's, it's our physical bodies, it's our feelings, it's our thoughts. And ultimately, he's working in all those things, and he's aware of all those things, because there exists a gap between, between what my plans for my life are and what God's plans for my life are, and his overall design for this world. And he really is calling me to, to modify my plans and really get involved in what he's all doing. One of the statements... Um, that I, me and Ethan talked about this week some, was, was just there with Joseph, how it talks about that, that he was a righteous person and he had really a good heart in what he intended to do. And sometimes we will, we will trick ourselves in giving ourselves a little bit too much grace in our own goodness and thinking that that's actually going to be God's will just because we really have good intentions. And sometimes God's will is so good and so perfect and so full of grace that it actually calls us to step out of our, our best into his better. Um, and, and, I, and I hope you've been tracking through the series. Today, we're going to connect a little bit with that idea of the details of our lives um, and, and who Jesus is and how um, the details of our lives as we look at what's going on in us today, in the past, in the future, um, that, that Jesus, Jesus reigns over all of that. Um, and we're going to start with this, this one verse. Uh, we're going to look at the context that it's in more towards the end of this message, but we really want to start with the heart and the thought the truth of this one verse. It's Hebrews 13.8. And I, I'm, I'm sure if you don't know to quote it, you've heard it before um, and, and probably know it by heart. It, it says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And, and that's the truth that we want to really, really get in our focus lens on, on something we can rejoice about. Now, for, for those of you who have been married for a length of time, have you ever gotten irritated at someone who doesn't change? Like you, you just kind of look at somebody far enough down the line and you're like, well, you know, at least, at least they're consistent. They didn't wash clothes or clean up after themselves in the first week of marriage and they still haven't done it 50 years later. Sometimes, sometimes we get really frustrated when, when we're loving people and we want them to change, change for the better, and they just won't seem to do it. Um, but there is something in life, and there's times in life that we come to, especially when we think about someone who's really been special to us, and, and, and oftentimes when we're thinking more in that mode, then people's consistency over time, um, their commitment to not change in some ways that would take away from that relationship, their commitment to stay true, that, that starts to endear us to that person. Does that make sense? There's people probably also in your life that you go, man, man, thank the Lord that they haven't changed. And they have always been so much the same. So I want to look at today how Jesus is the same, but also, just to be quite frank with you, really when you search through the scriptures, there are verses that when we read them, we go, hang on a second. I know it, it says that he's the same, but, but, but it sounds like you're talking about some change there as well. 
So we're going to look at one of those passages that's always kind of intrigued me out of 1 Samuel in a few minutes. But um, I want to start with this. The, the beginning of the book of Hebrews, um, as this letter is written to a group of people who really knew the history of God, um, Yahweh history, the history of the nation of Israel. Um, at the very first chapter of this letter, this is what it says about Jesus. So when, when we think about how is Jesus the same, what is it rooted in? I want you to consider what, what really we can hold to that it's rooted in. In, in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Long ago God spoke to the ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, now remember, this letter is, is written on the heels of the life and ministry of Jesus. This is the age of the church that we still live in, where, where our goal really is to, to live like Jesus. As we live with him, we want to be Jesus' followers. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The Son in his radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word and making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, I think most of us, when we, when we think about Jesus, one of those first kind of foundational thoughts is love. Because the story, the gospel of Jesus, that talks about how, does, how, does my sin, how are my sins reconciled? We know that they're reconciled by the life and the death, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So when we look at that part, we go, yes, Jesus, man, Jesus is amazing. He came to earth and he accomplished what he was here for. Um, and, and that is worth rejoicing because that means... That means that that issue, that sin imprisonment, was taken care of. Oftentimes, I have conversations with couples, and, and it's, it's true at my house. Um, do you have any unfinished projects at home? Do you have any unfinished projects that it takes absolute full grace just to walk past them because it's been undone for so long? In fact, you've even stopped talking and planning about them, and it's just kind of become a joke, Right? There are things in our lives that when unfinished, it just kind of lingers. Sometimes it's aggravating. Sometimes we just have to finally laugh at it. But, but we know what unfinished business is. We also know it from, a, from an emotional perspective. When, when we let problems go or we, we leave things unaddressed or we kind of push off the idea of how do I work through forgiveness on something, and we get to a place to where that unfinished business has really become a huge divide. Well, man, to the glory of God and really rejoicing in Jesus, he finished that Project. He, fit, he finished the, the defeat and the conquering of sin so it would not rule over our lives and it would not limit us in our relationship with Jesus here or in eternity. So, so that in itself is worth rejoicing. But, but what his sameness is rooted in was, was right before that. He is the exact expression of God's nature. Jesus isn't similar to God in a way that we can't really fully wrap our minds around because our brains are limited on this side of eternity, is how Jesus existed as both God and human, both God and man. But he wasn't just similar to God. He wasn't kind of like an idea that would help us get God. He is his exact nature. So everything that is in God is in Jesus. He is God. He's just God in the flesh. And it's why when we really look into the Gospels, it's so important for us as Christians if you've never done this, look at this as a goal for 2021. Study the Gospels. Look at the life of Jesus and, un and, and start to see, how did he handle situations? Because by, by seeing Jesus, we know that we can live like him because he lived here. But we also know what God's heart is like, what his thoughts are like. Every time we see Jesus speak, every time we see him act. 
So his sameness is, is rooted in the same thing that God's consistency is in. It's his nature. It's just who he is. There are things about Jesus that he always will be no matter what the situation is. But there's also some passages in the Bible, and I told you that, that God seems to talk about a change in himself. There's quite a few of these in the Old Testament, and sometimes when we see them, we wrestle with them because we're going, hang on a second, God, if you're the same, like how did you just, how does it seem like you just changed your mind right there? Like how, how can that happen if you're God and you're this, um, you're, you're this unchangeable um, you're this unchangeable deity. Uh, immutability is, is a word that oftentimes is used for it. Like, how can that happen? How could you change your mind if you're, if you're unchangeable, if you're the same, always? So I want us to look at a, a three verses in 1 Samuel 15 because I think this does a really good job in helping us understand really the truth of who God is. Uh, because as, as kind of a general as a general viewpoint, we have to remind ourselves the truth of Isaiah 55. It says that um, God's ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. So there's always a gap, and, and it can be a frustrating gap if we allow it to be, between what God knows and what we know or what his purposes are and what my purposes are. We can either really seek to, to close in that gap and, uh, and, and trust in that gap, or we can choose to be frustrated by it. And this is one of those times where I think it's really important for us to really listen to what God speaks to us out of that gap so we can really get a good view of what, who God is and, and what he does, who Jesus is, what he does, and how that, how that connects into our lives. There's three verses that I want to read to you. Okay, now, the background of this is God had, God had appointed Saul to be the first king over his people, the Israelites. Now, when you look back at God predicting this, he, he said that this was going to happen, but he also warned his people that there were going to be some unique challenges in having a king. He knew that there were going to be some intentional struggles. They were going to go through some of these things. So he warned them about it. Now, ultimately, Saul chose to willingly disobey God. I know, shocker. People in power and government willingly choose to disobey God's orders. It's happened before a couple times, and we have one of those recorded right here, okay? So let's, let's, let's look at here, and as God, um, as his heart of compassion is for Saul here, um, and his heart of judgment, um, I think it would also speak to how we can have a heart of compassion when it comes to people that we observe in our life. Um, Saul made some mistakes. His reign was going to come to an end. God was going to choose the next King David. Okay, Verse 11 says this. This is God's voice speaking as, as, as it's penned by the writer here. I regret that I made Saul king, for he was turned away from following me and has not carried out my instructions. Man, what would it sound like? Have you, ever, have, you ever, have you ever heard somebody just say the words to you, and I'm disappointed in you? And you know, some people can say that, and we're like, that wasn't no biggie. And then some people say it, and we're like, oh, that was devastating. Like, that, that was the last thing that I could have taken right then. God says intentionally, he says, I regret. And, 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 you, and you know what that's like. I mean, you, you've said it, and over a million different subjects, I wish I hadn't, or I wish I had have bought this instead of this now because this fell apart on me and that, I would have spent a little bit of extra money, but it would have, it would have lasted longer. We, we've expressed that thought in a, in a tons of different ways. But, but over God's people, the authority over God's people, God who chose Saul says, I, I regret it. When we read those words, it's like, wow, did, does God just change his mind like that? Does he, does he view his actions as mistakes? Just stick with me. Verse 35, as, as if 11 wasn't enough, verse 35 reaffirms it. 
Even to the day of his death, Samuel never saw Saul again. Samuel mourned over Saul, and the Lord regretted he had made Saul over Israel. Now, as the writer was, was, was being inspired by God to write this, I, I believe verse 29 was where, where in inspiration of God's Spirit, he said, okay, in, instead, of, instead of creating an open door that would be a trap for Christians who would want to follow God, who would want to follow Jesus, to think that they could just never kind of figure out who God is, verse 29 is really what closes it in for us, okay? Verse 29 says this, Furthermore, the eternal one of Israel, this is about God, the eternal one of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not man who changes his mind. You could also um, read it this way. He doesn't change his, change his minds like humans do. So if God doesn't change his mind like we do, how does he change his mind? Well, consider a few things for, for a minute. Look at God's overall plan. He calls Saul as king of Israel, knowing Saul would screw up, knowing he would mess up, knowing he would choose to disobey him. Now, Saul looked the part. He was tall. He was athletic. He was a beast. I mean, this guy, I mean, intelligent. I mean, he, he had gifts. I mean, this guy looked like the I mean, if you, were going, if you were God's people and you're like, all right, choose the best to lead us. If the best should lead, let's choose the best. It wasn't even... It wasn't even a hard decision. It was easy to get on board with Saul. Saul looked like what they thought they needed. God was ultimately in a teaching plan to help them see that what they thought they needed wasn't always, in fact, what they needed. Have you ever had to learn that lesson in life through how the Lord works? Sometimes God, in his infinite wisdom, has, has, has allowed me to have what I thought I needed so that I could get on board with his plan and, and not just my plan and start to understand, okay, God, I, I, I understand what, I'm, what you're really doing here. Now, God has this advantage that we don't have because when you or I change our mind, most of the time we change our mind off of new information. You ever been in a relationship with somebody, married, dating, something? You found out something that they had done, something they did, something they said, an event happened? And in that moment, your immediate thought was just basic reaction. You know what? If I'd have known that, I would have never entered into this relationship. What are we saying? We're saying I, I, I would have done something differently had I had this chunk of information. If I could have known that ahead of time, I would have acted, acted differently. You ever bought a car like that? You ever bought a car and, and you spent more money in keeping the car up than you actually spent on the car? I mean, we, we go through these kind of things in life, and, and, and when we receive certain information, we look back and go, you know, if I'd have known that, I would have done it differently. The thing about God is this. He has full and perfect knowledge. He has full and perfect knowledge which means his nature is consistent. He doesn't lie. When, when God said, this is who's going to be king, this is who I've chosen, he chose him for a purpose. God's heart was, because of his disobedience, because of the temptation that he fell to into, into sin, because he knew that the people of God would be hurt by this, because he knew that leadership would be second place to Saul serving himself, God said, out of the heart of care for his people, he said, I have 
regret. I have, I have a desire for my people to, to be in a better condition than what they are. It didn't mean that God said, hey, I would have done it differently. It means that God's emotions are not that too dissimilar from what our own are. God has the benefit of perfect knowledge. Think about it. How would your decisions and my decisions go if we could perfectly know everything? Absolutely everything. I mean, that, that would be the most phenomenal thing in this lifetime. If we could make decisions based on that. The biggest difference between us and God is if I had perfect knowledge, I would fall so in love with myself and I would be so confident in who I am that I would never, ever, ever trust him. God is always, always trustworthy. But that makes God um, a little bit mysterious. Uh, I, I, I was on a mission trip one time, um, a little island in the Bahamas called Eleuthera. I know, you're sitting there, man, must have been a struggle to go serve the Lord in the Bahamas. It was. It was so warm in February while we were there. Um, wh- while we were there, and, and when I say a small island, it was a little bit less than a mile wide um, and, and about nine to ten miles long. Um, and, and to get there was an adventure. You ever go to one of those places? Just, just the getting there is, is kind of its own storybook. Uh, we, we got on an airplane um, that we walked out to get on to. Now, um, most of my airline flying has been, I'm in the airport, I'm in the terminal, and I walk out of an extended tunnel, um, and, and I, I don't usually climb on my airplanes. Um, we climbed on this airplane. It had a painted dotted line and a rectangle that had words painted on it that says, Cut here in case of emergency. If you've ever been to the Bahamas, you know there's a lot of water. So evidently, they have boats that just float around there all day with people with gas-powered metal-cutting saws that if your plane crashes, they'll just find that dotted line and get you out, right? Um, just the going there was an adventure. They had, a, they had an island that uh, was called Pineapple Air, and we were in a little um, small airport, just kind of one-room airport, and... I got concerned when, when I saw that not even the locals would fly that airline. Uh, fortunately, we were on a different one. Um, this airline called Pineapple Air, they had a little window that didn't have glass in it. And when people would check in, tourists would check in to their flight, they just had a notebook, spiral bound. They were just marking names off. They took the luggage and they just tossed it through the open window, the open hole. I don't know what it landed on. Could have landed on a goat, a small child. I don't know who carried it to the plane. But this was the kind of island we went to. Now, one of the greatest things about this island was, um, it was it was where the Atlantic Ocean met the Caribbean. Okay? So if you've been to the Caribbean, you know, I mean, crystal clear, calm water, sea all the way to the bottom. Atlantic Ocean, darker, choppy waters, rougher waters. Well, we, we drive on this one bridge. And as you stand on the bridge... Um, if, if you're looking out this side, it's Atlantic Ocean. It's dark, it's choppy, um, rough water. You wouldn't want to dive into that. This side is the Caribbean. I mean, it is, it is so clear. You see all the way to the bottom. The only reservation of just jumping in was just, it, it's so clear, it makes you worry how deep it actually is. Now, a lot of times, I think spiritually, that's kind of how we approach God's Word. It's like, okay, God, you've you got to either be this or this. We think that God's sameness means that he's not hard to understand or he's not complicated because we're complicated. We think, okay, God, you, you need to be simpler than what my complicated life looks like. I, I, don't, I don't mean that God is so complicated you can't understand him, but I, but I want you to kind of carry this illustration out with me. 
this bridge, I would walk to this side and I would see the Caribbean Ocean. I walked this side, I'd see the Atlantic Ocean. What frustrated was, I couldn't see what was underneath because what was underneath was some kind of area. And it was, it was in about, I don't know, probably 40 feet wide. And 40 feet, it went from this ocean to this ocean and somehow changed from perfectly clear all the way to the bottom, smooth, still water, to absolute rough waves, dark, you couldn't see a thing. The mixture of how those two came together was what I really wanted to figure out. And there are some things about God that I would really, really love to figure out. And he gives us some insight to them. But there's still this mysterious thing about God that maybe isn't so mysterious. Because remember, we're also created in his image, which starts to kind of unravel some things. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Hebrews 4.15 refers to Jesus as a sympathizing high priest. Sympathizing in, in, in the Greek here means the same thing as sympathizing does to you and me. It means that Jesus enters into and shares the things that you're going through. And if you look at your life, and you would ever call it a little complicated, a little choppy, a little dark, a little bit unclear. Jesus, being the same Jesus, enters into that. And when he enters into all these different situations, we start to go, okay, God, now I can start to see why one day you may rejoice because of what, what, what you see in me, and other days you may grieve over me because of the sin that you see. God doesn't change that his nature is love for you and I, but he does go back and forth between um, really being honored and pleased and being grieved. And we can understand that because the, we, we go through those same kind of changes. And it helps us to not just identify with Jesus, but also to understand how well he, entered, in, uh, he identifies and, and understands us. Um, Malachi 3, uh, 6 says this, that God doesn't change. Therefore, his people, as it says in that verse, the sons of Jacob are not consumed. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Uh, if, if, God, if Jesus' sameness means that I stay alive because his, his wrath doesn't just rain down on me, I, I love his sameness. God says it about himself in Exodus. He said, I'm, I'm long-suffering. I'm going to let some things go for a really long time. Other things are going to be on a little bit shorter leash. And that's one of, those, one of those areas of God where it seems like, God, surely if you're God and, and you're just saying you're this, just this stoic, unemotional being, that you would just say, oh, what's wrong is wrong, what's right is right, and, and, and you got to deal with that. But God said, no, actually my nature is consistent in that I'm not just going to destroy you because you made a mistake. Now, when we look at Jesus and how... He can be pleased. He can be grieved. His, his thoughts, his minds can go from one to the other, and we would call that change. That is good. That's something to rejoice over. Because one, it means he has to be aware of our lives and what's going on, and he has to have thoughts and plans for it. He has to have a purpose that we could identify to live more in the pleased, less in the grieved. That's grace. Now, in, in this verse I read in 13.8, it says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, now how, how can I rejoice over all three of those? Well, here, here's, here's kind of a, a simple way that, that I would suggest to process this. 
Um, Jesus the same yesterday. Who was Jesus yesterday? Um, we have in the written word of God the gospels of who Jesus is. He's the very nature of God. He, he showed off God. It would be like if God wore a t-shirt, it would be Jesus. You, you would see him in Jesus, okay? So when we read the gospels, we see who Jesus is, but when we read the entire word of God, we see who God is. That for us is yesterday. Yesterday is when Jesus paid for sin, when he, when he made a way for us to be redeemed to God through his sacrifice. That is yesterday. That's why we have to be trust and rejoice in that Jesus and God, who they were yesterday is the same as who they are today because today is when I'm experiencing my mess and my struggles and my trials. But, but I can't separate, okay, I, I can't just ignore Jesus who you were yesterday, God who you were yesterday, and think that I can get a real grip on God what, what is today. It won't be possible because I need the information from yesterday to be able to process and handle and know what he's up to and what he wants me to do today. So as a today believer, I can't ignore yesterday. But I can go to his word with joy and rejoice over it because everything that I see in Jesus then, I'll see in him today. We say, okay, well, so, so what can we expect out of God to do in our lives? You know, you, you hear statements about, um, you know, if God did this for this person, won't he do it for you? Okay, well, let's look at how, just kind of quick example, how we can actually process that. Um, you, you ever heard of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? If I heard first. Um, so if, if somebody said, hey, you know, he did that for them, so he'll do it for you. Um, I'm not signing up to go into the fire. Okay? Like thousands and thousands of degrees. Like I want Jesus with me um, like high temperatures of 95. I, I, don't, I don't really want to go north of that. Okay? So, so I'm not looking to walk in the exact same steps as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But we would say, okay, but, but fire really is just representative for us. Okay, well, if fire is representative, then we can't say that, the, that, that God will just show up anytime somebody's in a fire. We have to say, okay, what, what, is, what is the nature of God? Um, it was about Jesus, as it said, the, 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 the one that they couldn't discern who fully it was. We know that it was Jesus from Scripture studying it that was their presence. So really, the, the sameness of God is rooted in his nature, which is he wants to be present with me in the difficulty that I'm in. So that's what I can hold on to. But I can also rejoice in that in the ways that my difficulty is different, he will have thoughts and feelings over that, that will be specific to that. And they may be different than another season of my life. But that's not a, a weakness of God in change. That's the strength of God in change and how specific it is. So we have to know the yesterday Jesus for today's issues. And ultimately... The promise of Jesus forever is so much about where we find hope. Um, I, don't, I don't know a better way of finding hope than looking beyond what I'm in the middle of. Because many times, if I just look at what I'm in the middle of, that's the most difficult time to find hope. If I look back to my past, even if it was a good time, that doesn't often give me as much hope. Uh, hope, for me, is, is easiest to find in the future. Do I have something to look forward to? Like a kid at Christmas right now, the 25th is coming, and, and, and there will be boxes to rip open. Uh, we're going to be going this week, and we're going to see some of the launch of um, the gifts being handed out to families 
on Thursday is when it's going to start um, from, from the angel tree stuff that came in. So there's going to be a day that even if a child is in need, that there's hope coming because they know something's going to be there to open up. Well, when we look at Jesus in forever, we, we should find hope there. That eternity, a new heaven and new earth, is ultimately our destination, which is far better than the world we live in, even though God has blessed us to live in a pretty good world. Now, I mentioned to you the context that this verse was in, uh, 13a, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It's kind of in an odd context. It's squeezed between two things that don't really sound like they go together, money and false teachers. If we're going to talk about Jesus being the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, this ought to be like, uh, like an anthem hymn. This is talking about money and people that teach things that really aren't in the Word of God. And I want to read this to you real quick and, and just really show you how this is an anchor point. Uh, verse 5, keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. The, the nature of Jesus, his presence is true. Um, Therefore we boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited. So here's what's basically going on. Um, Right here we have an addressing to this group of people that that, that covers a few things. Number one, um, if, if you think that if you fall in love with what you have, you could get distracted and spiritually distracted from really trusting Jesus for what you need. Because the comparison there is, avoid the love of money, fall in love with his presence. If you're in love with his presence, you'll be able to rejoice in that, and and it'll give you perspective over everything that money has an issue with. So first of all, it really talks about the resources of our lives. Then it talks about the voices in our lives. It gives two comparisons. It says, look at leaders who have basically lived this out well, and, and... Jesus is thrown into that. Look at the life of Jesus. Look at how they live and imitate that. And as you do, consider who you're living for, not who, you, not who you're living in fear of. So, so this section here talks about, we, we can make solid decisions, literal decisions in our lives in, in, in choosing to rejoice over who Jesus is, same yesterday, today, forevermore, and that in itself will address issues we have in our life of worry, stress, whatever it is, lack, when it deals with resources of our lives and the voices in our lives. Those are two major categories. Who you're listening to and who has influence and and what voices affect you and the things that you feel like you need. I mean, that, that consumes a lot of life. In the middle of that is this truth, this great truth to rejoice over. That Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if it deals with something you need or someone you're connected with that is influencing you, Jesus is the one to listen to and trust above all those things. Because the parts of him that are the same, that absolutely never change, are for our comfort, and the things that do change really are there to get us excited and cause to live closer to him. There's a couple of verses that Paul wrote about in the New Testament um, he said this in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. 
Doesn't that sound like a command? Anybody ever just walked up to you? You better get happy. I don't know that I want to follow that immediately, right? It just doesn't inspire me and fire me up. You better get happy about life. What do we do? We, we, we want to list out why we, why we may not do that so easily. And as Paul gives us that, as Paul gives us that, I really believe anchoring to this truth of, of who Jesus was and what we can learn from Scripture and how we can bring that into our today circumstances and then still yet dig even further into the hope of eternity is calling us to rejoice in Jesus because his presence is real. His nature will stay the same. And when something does seem like it changes, it, it helps us to understand him better because he understands us better than what we realize. How do we, how do we apply it? I want to I throw another verse um, out at you, okay? Romans 12, 12. Um, rejoice in hope. If our hope is in Jesus, if that's who our hope really is in, we've got to rejoice in that hope. Now, if our hope is in something else, we can rejoice in that, but we may not get past the first part of this verse. There's three parts to it. First part is just rejoice in hope. So that's why I, I'm trying to really keep in my life my hope is Jesus. If it's something else, then that thing has to carry us into step two. You ready for step two? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. In other words, have, have, a, have a heart to pause and wait and expect even when things are difficult. So, the object of our hope. If it's Jesus, does that allow me to be patient in affliction? For me in my life, yes, it does. I mean, if you think about physical issues you have, if your hope is in eternity, then you can, you can, you can process through and live through even physical things that are going on in you Right now, because the physical is not the end. But if just my family is my hope, then, then that time is finite, so I, so I grieve over that and I feel stressed by that because that time is moving on. And it, and it makes it difficult to be patient in that time. So rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. If my hope is in Jesus, then I can have a heart of patience and expectation and, and waiting if things are difficult, but ultimately always living in a mode of prayer, going to the Lord. Because that kind of prayer life will be characterized very specifically as compared to if my hope is in my finances, then many times my, my, my prayer to the Lord is, is really just about give me more. But if my hope is really in Jesus, then my prayer is, is really conversational about his presence in our relationship. Man, this season, this year, 2020, 2020, whatever you want to call it, um, has been in some ways a pretty remarkable year in what it's offered. A lot of time to think, a lot of time to process, a lot of time with people that we haven't gotten a lot of time with. Um, but it, it's also presented some challenges. I, I've, I've got a few people um, that I know personally that are on my prayer list that are actually in the hospital right now dealing with some sickness. Um, much of which is tied to the virus that's going around. There, there's a lot of things that we hear in the media and the news, so many things. Um, is, has there been enough, just, just for agreement, and you can nod if you're watching this online at home, we, we will feel the heart of, of what you nod to. If, would you nod your head if you would say, there has been enough this year to make me weary? Okay. Now, you, you can always, and we, we, I remind you of this, if, if what's made you weary this year is really just the person sitting beside you, you don't, don't nod, just blink real fast so we'll know, and then we'll, we'll send help to you at some point during the week. Um, but, but there has been enough, but 
a truth like, a truth like, man, Maggie just elbowed Kevin. She didn't even wait. She just like, she just took it into her hands right then. Um, a truth like this, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That timeline is so much bigger than the year that we're living in. It is. It's so much bigger than the year we're living in. So it's got to be so much bigger than the day that I'm living. It's got to be so much bigger than this season that I'm in. So what do I do with that truth? Go to, go to the yesterday information that God has provided us. Bring it in today. And, and, and also go back into that yesterday information because it won't just be for today. It'll also, it'll also throw it over. It'll wave over into forevermore. And we'll always find ourselves walking in it. My prayer for you is, is that you are finding ways right now to rejoice. And I know some days, based on what's going on in life, it may seem like, God, kind of what are you doing? What are you thinking? And God in his own word tells you what he's thinking. And, and God, God's word is so perfect, his plan is so perfect, that he, he trusts that he can give it to us honestly and help us with it. So if you see something you're questioning in God's word, don't run from it. Let's sit down and talk about it. If you have something going on in life that just seems like it's, it's piled up too high or it's dug out too deep, don't assume that God cannot do something glorious in it. Part of that will be us finding time together to talk. Some of that will be your prayer time with God. Some of it will be patience that he'll call you to have in tribulation and difficult times. But it's all got to be rooted in Jesus is our hope, rejoicing in him. If you will, bow your heads for just a second. If you're at home, as you, as you watch and you listen, um, we just want to call really our minds to, to a focus this morning. As our praise team comes back up, as they will lead us in a few moments, um, really the hope is that our hearts are, are anticipating a Christmas season. A time that we representatively celebrate that there was a moment where God said, hey, now's the time. Now's the time. I've taught them lessons. I've laid the groundwork out. I've been quiet to get their attention. Things have been in motion. Everything's set. It, 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 it's not even going to be clear to them for a while, but it will be. The good things are set. The horrible things are set. Now's the time. That's what Christmas really represents. And my prayer, my hope is that you can rejoice right now. And as Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, that his, that his, 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 his voice of now is the time is what you hear. If it's to turn to him because you've walked away, now's the time. If you've lived separate from God all your life and you need to begin a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, now is the time. You can pray to receive Jesus today. I, we can meet about that after the service so you can get started in the right ways. But now is the time. If you've lost hope because you've put your hope in other things, now is the time to get it back because it lives and exists and is available in Jesus. Now is the time. God, thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. God, thank you for what you do in our lives. Lord, for the moments that we need hope, Lord, we need you. We don't, we don't need everything to get better. We don't need it to change. 
God, and that's, that's hard because that seems like it would be the easiest path to hope. But God, we, we, we in fact really just need Jesus. And in Jesus, we can have patience. We can be faithful in prayer on the right conversations. Lord, there, there's so much that is available to us in Christ. Lord, help us to see clearly in your word this morning that your nature is true, it's firm, it's unchangeable. And God, the fact that you speak out of the details of lives, out, out of the life of Saul, God, it just helps us to understand your heart. You, hadn't, you didn't make a mistake. You didn't fall asleep. God, you did exactly what was needed for others to see, for people to see you, for you to be known. But God, it still matters to you when people grieve, when sin is, is, is committed but also confessed. God, this all matters to you. So Lord, help us just to find joy today and that, that we matter to you. But God, help us also to find joy in just praising your name and falling in love with Jesus, talking to him, hearing from him, celebrating from him, and sharing him. Lord, for the needs of our church family, for the requests that are on our heart, for the ways that we are looking for Jesus to break through, to act greatly, to do something. God, I pray that you align our expectations with your purposes so that we can be most ready to give you glory and attention for what you do. Lord, it's all these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would stand to your feet, if you would at home, please reconnect in just the heart of worship as we sing right now. Um, we'll be here to talk. We're available to those of you that are watching online as well through the week. Um, church, we love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for giving faithfully. Thank you for serving faithfully. Thank you for finding joy in this Christmas season.